This is the Skeptic Squared Podcast. A safe place to make light of sacred things. My name is Matt. And I'm Corinne. And in this program, we will be discussing current events related to religion, atheism, and skepticism. Our goal is not to insult believers, although that will probably happen from time to time, but rather to share our point of view on these topics in a way which will benefit and entertain others. Or maybe we just want to stroke our own egos. You decide. Welcome to the Skeptic Squared podcast. Today is March 20th, 2016. And with me is my wife, Corinne. Hello. How you doing? I'm all right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. A little frustrated trying to find articles for today. Yeah. 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 It can be hard sometimes because there's so much stuff out there, but it's not always, um, you know, relevant or pertinent or even interesting. You right. Know? <laughs> and I'm just really tired of reading Mormon articles. Yeah. Well, we can switch it up and talk about other stuff. I know, but that's what I know the most. Yeah. It's what I have to do the least amount of research on. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so to start, um, I have an article. This was shared in um, my Facebook feed, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago. But the article itself is actually from 2015, about a, a year ago, March 6th. Oh, over a year ago now. Yeah. And... Uh, the author is a guy named John Huntinghouse. I'm not, not familiar with him. But this is LDSSmile.com, which is one of those fluff blogs all about how awesome Mormonism is. Mm-hmm. I think we've done a couple of things from that, their website before. Did we, didn't Wait, we get like some of the, the memes? LDSSmile.com? Oh, yeah. Like some of the memes that we did, I think, were from there. Anyway. I think so, a couple of blog posts I think we've done have been from there, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the article is titled four things anti-Mormons don't want you to know. So right away, I have a problem with the title. Right. Do you, do you have a problem with the title as well? Anti-Mormons? Well, there's that, you know, what is an anti-Mormon? Anybody that says anything against the church is labeled right. an anti-Mormon. Sort of like anybody that's against Scientology is a suppressive person. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, um, but the thing that that bothered me more than that, uh-huh. um, that's specific to this article, is four things that anti-Mormons don't want you to know, implying that oh, they're hiding, hiding something, something. From, uh-huh. from you. Yeah, and and they're being a little bit dishonest about their arguments. Right. So anyway, that's the thing that jumped out to me. Mm-hmm. So he starts with this little bit of a disclaimer. Um, He says, the purpose of this post is not to bash on those who have left the church or even those who are reviling against it, which is a phrase that they love to use. Yeah, reviling is very popular. Yeah. I I personally highly, highly recommend it, reviling against the church. (laughs) (laughs) It relieves a lot of stress. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) He goes on, it is simply to create awareness for members to understand the potential pitfalls that are laid out by those who are so critical of the church, whether they do so intentionally or not. This isn't referencing individuals who have decided to leave the church for blank reason, but specifically talking about those who are actively trying to attack the church at every angle. Okay, so that's his disclaimer. Okay. So if you have a specific reason 
why you've left the church, then you're fine. He's not talking to you. But if you use any of these tactics, then you're just angry and reviling and all that. And attacking, apparently. That, so, okay. so let's go through his list. That's confusing. It's a little bit confusing. Yeah. He's trying to find, draw a fine line uh, so that he doesn't insult um, sincere doubters and try to belittle them, um, which is the way that a lot of these sorts of things come across. Right. But uh, I'll let you decide whether or not he's successful in drawing that line. Okay. <laughs> so the first one is the big list fallacy. Okay. Okay. And of course, he, he goes on to goes on to explain what he means by this. That's good. Yeah. Because you, I don't know. Yeah. So he says, have you noticed that when someone is attacking our faith, usually in a blog post or in a comment thread, oh. <laughs> that it usually goes something along the lines of, quote, how do you explain away this and that and this and oh, that and there's this case of blank. This laundry list of claims against the church, whether valid or not, can at times be daunting. Which is true, actually. Whether valid or not. Yeah. Um, It gives the illusion that the church is not true because it appears to be, there appears to be a mountain of evidence against it. Okay. So have you ever seen this tactic used before? A big list? Mm -hmm. The first thing that comes to my mind is the CES letter. Oh, yeah. Which we talked about a little bit when we were talking about Jeremy. 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 (laughs) You caught yourself. Good job. (laughs) I was thinking about it the other day, why I say Jeremy. It's because growing up, I knew a couple guys who went by Jeremy. And it was like the soft uh, syllable, second syllable or whatever. And they wouldn't really pronounce it. It was Jeremy. That's how they would say it. Oh, really? Was it spelled that way? No. It was spelled the regular way. So they were mispronouncing their own names? It's a a (laughs) dialect. (laughs) (laughs) It's a regional thing, I'm sure. That's funny. Okay. Anyway, completely off topic. Yeah. (laughs) So for all those Jeremy's out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so so on, on the one hand, I kind of see where he's going with this. Like, I agree. Like, this is something that I've seen a lot of creationists use against science. Right, like an information dump. Right. You don't, like, yeah. go through each and everything to mm-hmm. discount each and everything because it's just overwhelming and way too much. Right. And, yeah. and on the one hand, that, that is a tactic that can be used. Mm-hmm. The problem, though, is that with the Mormon church in particular, there are lots of issues. Exactly. And when people talk about why they left the church, it's never a single issue. No. It's always a list of yeah. issues. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and quite often the list just continues to grow even after leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things That's just been get, my experience. get piled on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just read the rest of what he says. Um, That's exactly the point of big lists. They're meant to frustrate and tire out the individual. It's a common tactic used in politics, courtrooms, and science debates, and it's clearly evident in religious debates about the Mormon church. Many times this tactic is used to overwhelm members on social media or in blog comments by providing a massive list of questions, non sequiturs, and assumptions that are extremely challenging to answer in a very orderly manner due to the length and amount of questions that are being laid out. That is the longest sentence I think I've ever read. No, it's not the longest sentence I've ever read. Um, And then the minute a member says, I'm not exactly sure, I don't know, or doesn't provide a response, the opposition will claim victory. Just because it, uh, let's see, just because it takes time to carefully and methodically answer each of their claims doesn't mean the answers are not valid, which is true. Right. Just because 
you are not willing to spend half your day trying to honestly answer questions that were not honest to begin with does not mean that they were right. He started that off by saying whether valid or not. Mm -hmm. And now he's changing it to say that they were not honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good gravy. Yeah. Exactly. And like, this is the kind of thing any that Any question goes, that yeah. someone comes up with is valid. Mm-hmm. Even if it is just a joke. Like, it's a valid question regardless. Well, well you're familiar with um, despair.com, right? They're, yes. they're the ones that, that invented uh, the demotivational posters. Yes, which right? you love. Right, which, which I found, like, in high school or <laughs> right after my mission. It was somewhere around that, that uh-huh. age. And, it, yeah, so I've, I've, I really like them. Uh-huh. And they have one that says there is... There are there are no stupid questions. There are just a lot of inquisitive idiots. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Right. Um, let's see. So he's almost done with this this bit. Um, big lists in and of themselves do not make claims true, but psychologically they are used all the time to try to convince others that the claims they are making are true. And then he links to an article that um, expounds on that. Wait, read the very last part again. Sorry, I zoned out. I shouldn't admit that, Big but li- I did. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I zone out sometimes, too. Or like I start thinking about the next thing yeah, I want to I say. Yeah, I was thinking of something yeah. else I mm-hmm. wanted to say. Yeah. Um, big lists in and of themselves do not make claims true. But psychologically, they are used all the time to try to convince others that the claims they are making are true. Okay. So again, it's just a dishonest tactic. Right. Okay. Yeah. But as we, as we already mentioned, there, anytime you talk to an ex-Mormon or somebody that's left the church or has, has doubts about the church, it's never a single issue. Right. They're going to have a list. And generally they have evidence to support it. It's not just mm-hmm. a list. Like that's where I have an issue with that. It's like, especially like you brought yeah. up the CES letter. Like it's not just a list of questions. He mm-hmm. provides what he researched, answers, links. Mm-hmm. And like things where he ended up Scriptures. being wrong, mm-hmm. like I don't know. I, yeah, church history. Yeah, he uses the church's websites and links and materials. Right. So for, for him his to questions. for him to say that they they are intentionally dishonest, I think in and of itself is dishonest. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge generalization. Yeah. And it's misleading to the people that are reading this, the faithful members who yeah. read this article. Uh-huh. They're because, automatically yeah. going to think that anytime somebody just uses a bullet list and uh, and uses that. Um, to criticize the church that they're not being honest mm-hmm. because people write crap like this. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else to say on big lists? No. Okay. Second point, generalizations. Which he just did. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most of these cut both ways. <laughs> um, let's see. Generalizations, or more specifically, talking about ecological fallacies. I'm not sure he's using the right word. Ecological? I think he means, like, eschatological, or uh, what's the other one for, like, epistemological, Mm. something? I don't know. Or maybe just logical. I don't know. Yeah, logical fallacies, that would work. Yeah. I don't know why he's saying ecological. Maybe that's a term. Maybe it's not. Um, you're going to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that has something more to do with like ecology. Right. Because <laughs> ecological means something different. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep reading while you're yeah, doing that. Do that. Um, this is basically where any antis, again, they love to keep, call people that have anti. left the church anti, mm-hmm. 
Um, many antis will say something, something along the lines of, quote, I've never met anyone that could explain the blank issue very well. Therefore, Mormons in general, or the church as a whole, do not have a good answer to this question. Did you catch that? No, sorry, I was reading something else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, antis will say something along the lines mm -hmm. of, I've never met anyone who could explain the blank issue very well. Therefore, Mormons in general, or the church as a whole, do not have a good answer to this question. Ah. So because they've never met heard a good answer, a good answer doesn't exist. Okay. That's what they're saying. Um, while it may be true that they may, they may not have ever met someone that could explain a particular issue very well, that doesn't mean that, the solid, that a solid explanation doesn't exist. Also, a good explanation is extremely subjective, is that? <laughs> and it's oftentimes <laughs> rooted in an individual's own personal bias or perspective. Um, no, a good explanation isn't subjective by definition. Shouldn't it be? Right. Shouldn't it be an independently good explanation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And really, if a good explanation does exist, shouldn't it be like popularized throughout the community already? Right. Why is it such, why a, is hard it thing such to find? a hard thing to come by? Yeah. And until you actually find the good explanation, why would you assume that there is one? Right. Isn't that a form of bias? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there must be one. I just haven't found it yet. Yeah. And I mean, Mormons do that all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to square this circle or explain why this uh, you know, problematic thing is the way it seems to be. Right. Um, and God will you know, provide an answer in the future mm -hmm. so I can keep believing. Right. Um, Do you want to know what the definition of ecological is? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm just assuming it was E-C-O-L. Yeah. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, relating to or concerned with the relation of living organisms to one another and to their <laughs> physical surroundings. That's what I thought. So, yeah, it's a typo then. Yeah. Like. What was the sentence he used? He's talking about logical fallacies. Right. Read the sentence again, though. Um, generalizations or more specifically talking about ecological fallacies. Yeah, Okay. I think he meant logical, logical fallacies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Why, it, that's not even an autocorrect thing, though, that it would go to. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, okay. Um, okay, last thing that he says about this. Clearly, the perspective of someone who is adamantly against the church has a latitude of acceptance that will differ greatly from someone who is an active member of the church. In other words, um, people who are against the church are harder to convince. And so for them, finding a good um, answer... Um, won't be satisfying. Like they, they won't see a satisfying answer where a member would find one, which is probably right. true. That is true because it's not actually satisfying. Mm -hmm. But like we said, until you can actually ha like show that there is a good, sound, reasonable explanation, mm -hmm. you can't assume that there is one. Right. Mm -hmm. At least not with something like this. Maybe mm -hmm. like in science or something, you can do that. Yeah, where there's evidence supporting it from different directions, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, Mormons would say that they do that with their beliefs anyway. You know, that's the whole point of falling back on. Right. But they're the missing spirit. the fundament, fundamental evidence supporting mm -hmm. like their initial claims anyway, like whether mm -hmm. a God exists or whether Joseph Smith was actually a prophet. Like they can't even right. verify those two things. And so everything else is based on those. So they can't. Right. I don't know. It's, science it's has just a, a better leg to stand on. Yeah. It's built on sand rather than a rock. Yes, although <laughs> to, they'll say it's to opposite. Use, <laughs> to use their own metaphor against them. <laughs> I just read that in an article I was looking at. Oh, did you? 
Yeah, I think it was one of those old New Era articles. Did I inadvertently steal somebody else's thunder? Not that I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> or repeat or talk about. Okay. So the third one is population. Okay. <laughs> this one's pretty short. Uh, specifically here we are talking about a biased sample population. Many anti-Mormons will try to explain away the overall Mormon experience as a bad one based on their experience with people who have left the church. This doesn't mean that those who left the church didn't really have a bad experience, as they most likely did. It's, it, it simply means that their experience is not reflective of the overall Mormon experience because it doesn't take into, into account the entire Mormon population as a whole, specifically those who are completely happy within the religion. Which, if you do any research into the um, retention rate of the Mormon church, um, is about, what, 45% in the United States and about 25% internationally. So it sounds to me like most people are not completely satisfied with the church, even right. after joining it. Right. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting, though, talking to people that say they aren't satisfied with the church versus people that are satisfied with the church. Because I feel like, by and large, a lot of the experiences are very similar because the church mm -hmm. is very, like, one-dimensional, in my opinion. Like, yeah. everyone has very similar experiences, but it's like the way you perceive the experience or mm -hmm. how much you think about the experience, how much you're willing to think about the experience, I think is what is where the huge difference lies. Yeah. Cause like my sisters and I grew up in the same church, going mm -hmm. to the same wards, basically had the same leaders because we're all so close in age, but we all had vastly mm -hmm. different like experiences, quote unquote, even though we were experiencing the same things. Yeah. Like my That's sister is still in the church, but mm -hmm. my other sister and I aren't in the church, but we had. Yeah. And, and you and your other sister have left the church for different reasons. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and I am, I think by far, like even further away from the church than even she is like, she still, I think entertains the idea of maybe something, mm -hmm. you know, a higher power or something, whereas I just don't even entertain that thought anymore either. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's just interesting. Yeah. I mean, I kind of get what he's saying. Like, you can't generalize the population, but... But you don't have to make time, generalizations. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like everyone's thing, experience is valid. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, I don't think I've ever heard anybody use this as an argument against the church. I don't think so either. You it's know? usually just, well, in my experience, you right. know, it's not like, it might, this is my experience, therefore you should not believe in the church, right. or it should be your experience too. Right. And, yeah, exactly. It's like... Um, if I have a bad experience with the church, <clears throat> I might be willing to tell you about it, um, but I'm not going to try to use that to convince you that you've also had a bad experience. Right. Um, I mean, maybe hearing my experience will get you to reconsider certain things. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, the real question is, um, you know, we all have our own experiences to some level. It's subjective. Um, some people will be convinced by the Mormon church. Some people won't. Why would there be an eternal consequence for not following it? Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, especially if God created <laughs> you that way. Yeah. God created me to think differently than my sister. <clears throat> yeah. You know, like, like, you know, there's the, the quote from Ricky Gervais at the golden globes. One of mm -hmm. the first times he, uh, he hosted it when he said, and I'd like to thank God for making me an atheist, like oh, <laughs> at yeah. the, the end of the credits or whatever, <laughs> Yeah, you know? And it's like, there, there's a lot of truth to that. Mm -hmm. You know, if there is a God and the God is omniscient and omnipotent and he knew how the world would, uh, you know, kind of go down 
uh, before he even created us, which is what, you know, omniscience and omnipotence mean, you know, mm -hmm. then he knew that I would leave the church. He knew that I would be an atheist mm -hmm. and he made me anyway. Mm -hmm. He knew that I would not make the cut. I would not and he's be still going to punish you and he's still going to punish me for it. You know? So even if you have, uh, well, I mean, that's the problem in and of itself with omniscience, you know, can you even have free will or agency, right. mm -hmm. you know, I think that there's a good case to be made that if omniscience and omnipotence exist in a single being, free will can't exist, mm -hmm. you know, not to the extent we think we have it anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like anyway. you still might be able to make choices, but regardless of your choice, it's still going to lead you ultimately to this one point. Right. You know, Yeah. which and is how I viewed the free will for a long time in the church. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's a whole rabbit hole down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think at the time I didn't really know that I was thinking of it that way mm. or that it was free will. I wasn't associating those two things. Yeah. All right. So the, the last point that he makes mm -hmm. is flattery. Okay. <laughs> having a hard time trying to come up with where he's going with these. <laughs> right. They're, they're not very The first apparent. two are fine, but the, mm. yeah. Okay. So he says, here we are talking about an appeal to flattery. This is one of the most used tactics by those who would revile against the church. There's that phrase again. They say something along the lines of, only those who are intellectually and emotionally honest can face the truth about the church, which implies that if an individual disagrees with their conclusions, they are not emotionally or intellectually honest. Clearly, one can be intellectually honest and still be a full-fledged member of the church, but sometimes these types of claims bait us into changing our belief system simply because we are trying to appeal to our own vanity and how other individuals view us. Hmm. Sounds like he's kind of in the weeds in this one. Yeah. So I've actually used a similar argument when I was talking to my mom fairly early on in my atheism. Mm -hmm. This was like probably the second or third time I talked to her about it. And I, you know, I told her, it's like, I cannot with good conscience participate in the church because I don't think it's true. You know, I can't just go through the motions. I would be mm -hmm. a hypocrite. Right. And I even used the phrase, you know, intellectual honest. honest. Yeah. yeah. Intellectual honesty. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't, it wasn't directed at her. Right. You know, like, I think that she really does believe it, yeah. you know? And so yeah. for her, being a true believer, I, yeah, it, like, she is being intellectually honest mm -hmm. because she does believe it. Right. But for somebody that doesn't believe it, they can't do it with good conscience, mm -hmm. you know? And that was the point that I was trying to make, you know, for me. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, again, these, these are more arguments that uh, I don't think I've ever heard anybody really use before. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's about it. He has a, a closing paragraph where he tries to tie everything together, mm -hmm. but it's not really worth reading. So we can move on. Okay. Um, you have uh, an article you want to go into? Sure. Um, I guess it's technically similar to one I've gone over before. Okay. So I did the five myths of sex that I was taught in the church or something. Oh, yeah. But this one is 17 lies we need to stop teaching girls about sex. So this mm -hmm. applies to people like all across the board. Right. So this isn't Not specific even just to religious. Yeah, this isn't yeah. specific to religion or right. Mormonism. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um so I'll just kind of go through the list if you want to talk about some of them we can. Mm -hmm. I don't I mean some of the ones at the end 
I think we can talk about more. So the first one is virginity exists. Um, and the point they're making with this one um, is the, uh, the concept of virginity is basically um, centered on um, penis and vagina penetration. Yeah. It's like that um, Garfunkel and Oates song where they, oh. <laughs> you know, the loophole or whatever. It's like yeah. people find ways around the yeah. idea of virginity because it's not one going to break their quote unquote hymen or it's mm-hmm. not actual penetration. It's, you know, yeah. then there's oral sex. There's a lot of different ways around it. And mm-hmm. so basically they're just arguing like you should be able to um, come up with your own idea of what virginity is like, cause mm-hmm. I mean, you can be like emotionally intimate with someone and that could be like losing your virginity. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a, um, the idea shouldn't be well, that I mean, penetration. I mean, as, as uh, I'm sure most of these, will apply to it. But, you know, with the, the whole idea of the importance of virginity stems from traditional patriarchal societies right. to begin with, where mm-hmm. women are property. Mm-hmm. The only way to, um, to, to really know that your child, your first child mm-hmm. in particular is, is yours, yours mm-hmm. is if your wife is a virgin, right? That's why there was so much importance placed on it, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so we still have that same idea, mm-hmm. you know, in our culture, it's, it's just a remnant of that. Right patriarchal aspect of it. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second one, hymens are a sign of virginity. Um, mm. <laughs> and this is just kind of, it's just dubious at best because not, not all women are even born with hymens mm-hmm. and throughout adolescence, the hymen starts to wear down through mm-hmm. just like simple activities. Like they list jumping on the trampoline can wear your hymen down. So it's mm-hmm. not like going to bleed when you right. have sex for the first time. Yeah. So it shouldn't and be a gauge of if you're a virgin or not. Anything that moves your legs can potentially do it. Exactly. And this <laughs> idea of, um, an intact hymen being a sign of virginity has led people to like have a reconstructive surgery for their hymens and like taken other drastic measures mm-hmm. to prove that they are still virgins when it's not necessary. Yeah. So, um, this one, all women are born with vaginas, basically just talking about mm-hmm. how transgender and, um, uh, trans women are still women. doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you have a vagina or not. Yeah. <clears throat> um, which was a hot topic when, uh, Bruce Jenner yeah. became Caitlyn Jenner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was oh. apparently trying to adopt. Oh, really? Random thing that I read on the cover of a magazine at the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows if it's real or not? <laughs> well, it was the sort. Of, was it the sort of magazine that would add uh, trying to adopt a baby with two heads? No. Or alien baby? No. Yeah, okay. There's, you know, there's like, probably some truth to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like People Magazine or something like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The fourth one is the first time is going to hurt a lot. Mm. And the picture on this one is kind of funny because it's that scene um, from a Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, Where the yeah. guy that plays Kenneth is trying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's entertaining. <laughs> um, so this one is just pretty much saying, um, just telling young women that it's going to hurt a lot Mm -hmm. um implants that idea in their head and so the first time they're all they're very tense and they're nervous about it which Mm. already is tensing up their muscles and makes it harder Mm -hmm. and a little more painful so it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy so it makes it even worse so it makes it even worse Mm. and a lot you know a lot of it depends on size of things Uh (laughs) you know (laughs) so it's not necessarily going to hurt a lot Uh (laughs) um yeah uh, let's see. Okay. This is where I think it starts getting a little bit better. 
Five, if someone buys you something, you owe him or her sex. Mm, rape culture. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, they don't have a lot to say about it. Just you never owe someone sex. And right. that's something that girls really need to be aware of because a lot of the times they feel like they have to put out mm. if they yeah. do something. Sometimes you can settle for a crisp high five. <laughs> we just went and saw Deadpool and <laughs> Matt is enjoying quotes <laughs> for you 10 <laughs> so basically just mm. don't you don't have to have sex if you don't want to right. consent is your choice yeah. and uh, this is something that we kind of randomly talked about a little bit earlier this week and I made the comment that in a lot of ways, rape culture is the death rattle of chivalry. Mm-hmm. You know, you have this this idea, this idealized or romanticized idea of what chivalrous means mm-hmm. or chivalry. And, you know, you have this culture that's trying to go back to traditional values and they're putting a lot of um, importance on, um, you know, traditional families and, and going about things the way that we've always done them. Mm-hmm. And that goes to, to dating as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know... In, in traditional societies, again, it was very patriarchal, and men did see themselves as having rights to women's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and there's still remnants of that, not just in our culture. Like you can go to, like Muslim countries, mm-hmm. for instance, where uh, some Muslim countries it's illegal for the woman to um, not have sex with their their mm-hmm. husband if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Like any time that their husband says that they want to have sex, they have to have mm-hmm. sex with their husband. Mm-hmm. And this is based on you know, stuff from the Quran or the Hadith or something along those lines. It's mm-hmm. part of Sharia law. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, it's bad. Yeah. Rape culture is bad. Rape culture is bad. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's really hard for women to get over mm-hmm. and to, yeah. Okay. So six, too much sex will stretch you out. <laughs> like an elastic band. <laughs> yes. Which is exactly the picture. Um, so, um, they say that this is kind of, um, this is not necessarily true. I mean, women are all different in size for one thing. Mm -hmm. And they're, they basically, they say if you're regularly getting down with a fire hose, yeah, you'll probably stretch out, but it's not (laughs) like having too much sex isn't going to make the opening any bigger. It's not going to affect the feelings. Um, and a large part of that too is like giving birth people, um, Mm -hmm. like women oftentimes feel like they're different down there. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are ways to like tighten it up if you need to, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not the end of the world if you think that it's loosening up. Those little, uh, squishy balls Mm -hmm. that you can use to like flex muscles and all that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like a yoga ball for, you know, nether regions. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little weight. (laughs) It's called a kegel. (laughs) Um, so I've really liked the end of what they, um, the the very last sentence um, they um, say. But we should really be teaching girls to accept their differences as normal and natural, not as newfound flaws, mm. which I think is really hard for girls and women to do just in general. It's yeah. like as soon as something changes, well, a large part of it is society yeah. today. They have a very idealized version of what a woman of what a woman should be, and as mm. soon as something changes, it's mm. like I am flawed my husband my boyfriend my lover my partner whatever is mm. not going to love me as much or not want to be with me as much not be attracted to me as much because i've had I have this fall. exactly mm. and in a lot of cases that happens because mm. men too are being they're subject to, they're the, same subject to the same culture yeah. mm. and they too have this idealized version of women because of what 
we've okay. shaped what a woman should be. Mm-hmm. So, um, moving on. Seven, women don't think about sex very much. And that's just false. Just not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was in high school, there was a, a statistic that was bouncing around a lot mm-hmm. that um, teenage guys think about sex every five seconds or every mm-hmm. seven seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it the other day. It's like, that just sounds exhausting. Right. You know, you're trying to do your, your math homework and yeah. all of a sudden you're thinking of, you know, sex or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. every seven seconds, men would not be accomplished, be able to accomplish anything if they were legitimately thinking of sex every five seconds. Right. <laughs> it's like, and when you break it down to like, you know, the, the hours of the day, mm-hmm. you know, a, you know, if it's this every seven seconds, that's a seventh of the day. That's a few hours mm-hmm. of a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the only way that you get those kind of results is mm-hmm. if you have sexual repression mm-hmm. where they don't have a sexual outlet. And so mm-hmm. they do think about sex more often than they would otherwise. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, the article says that one of the reasons why, um, this myth persists is because women are often taught that thinking about sex is boyish or juvenile. And so it's mm-hmm. something that they kind of are training themselves not to think about. Like it pops up and it's like, shut it down, mm-hmm. you know, like um, a light switch. Yeah. And a lot of that, <laughs> the book of Mormon. <laughs> um, and a lot of that is due to like, um, how media portrays women in like shows and movies and stuff. It's like, usually the man is like this boyish juvenile always mm-hmm. getting into trouble. And the woman is the more responsible one, like the nagging wife, yeah. you know? And so we've been painted into these roles. And so it's acceptable for men to mm-hmm. talk and think about sex all the time. But as soon as a woman does, she they can't is a it. whore, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Men women can't help above it. that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if women were really that much more responsible than men, don't you think that we would be like running the world? Yeah, it's more of a consolation prize. It's like with yeah. with the Mormon Church when they talk about why women don't need to have the priesthood mm-hmm. because they're mothers. They get exactly. that, they get they get this extra special privilege mm-hmm. of going through childbirth. They get to stay at home and spend time with the children mm-hmm. all yeah. day, every day, and never have a break because they right. don't actually work for money. Right, because I'm sure that all of the you know general authorities and um, apostles of the church would love to just be stay at home dads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they also go into that the flip side of this is that real men should always have a voracious sexual appetite, um, which mm-hmm. also is unhealthy. Yeah. You know? Um, well, and, you know, you've made the point that every woman is different. Every guy is different. Exactly. And sex drives are different. Exactly. For each person. Mm-hmm. You know, some mm-hmm. some people do have a stronger sex drive where they need it, you know, or want it more often. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and there's certain cases, you, you know, we've talked about Dr. Daryl Ray, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, he talks about examples of people masturbating like, you know, four times a day. Like, is that addictive? You uh-huh. know, that kind of thing. Like, is that even excessive mm-hmm. or abnormal? He says that, you know, if it's, you know, uh, like three to four times a day, it's probably not excessive or abnormal. But if you start getting into like double digits, you know, the teens, then you might have a problem. Then uh-huh. you're, you're probably excessive, uh-huh. you know, that kind of thing. And, and you can seek counseling and get right. some help for that, right. you know. But, you know, with the Mormon church, they paint people who masturbate once a week or once a month in the same category as people who are doing it 14 times a day. Uh-huh. You know, they, yeah. they don't draw a line. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like as long as it's not interfering in the productivity of your life, mm-hmm. it's not an issue. Right. It's not know? an addiction. No. Yeah. Yeah. But the Mormon church can't admit that. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Because as soon as they do, their members will be taking control of their own lives. Yeah. yeah. It just starts there. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, number eight is women don't like casual sex. Um, which kind of ties into, I guess, this last one a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. Um, More of the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it, it just in the title, you know, women can want casual sex. It does, having sex with a woman doesn't necessarily mean that you, are, you have to be committed to this person, that mm-hmm. she expects a relationship out of it. Sometimes right. a woman just needs to have that intimate connection for, right. you know, for a night or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't have to mean anything. Um, number nine is boys buy the condoms. Basically, they're just saying you can take responsibility for your own, right. you know, protection. Yeah. Ideally, both would have condoms, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just in case, you never yeah. know when it's, the mood's going to arise. Right. Or when one of them breaks, you right. know, and you have a backup. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like to think in practical terms about my sex life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, okay, 10 is frigid wives make cheating husbands. Hmm. Um, and this just kind of plays off, again, um, that women just are uninterested in sex. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they do it is to keep men satisfied. Right, or use it as bait. Or use it as bait, yeah. They yeah. use or it ransom. to, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm. blackmail. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, you have to do this, and then we can have sex. Yeah. You know? Um, which, which I've heard is a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know anybody who's actually used that against their spouse. I don't know personal, like, people, like, real people, but Mm -hmm. it is really prevalent in, like, media and TV and movies. Like, women do it all the time. Mm. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example now, but I can't think of one. Yeah, that's okay. Off the top of my head. Yeah. That's fine. I've just been watching a lot of The Office, and so I'm playing... (laughs) (laughs) Well, doesn't Jan do that to Michael? Jan more kind of rapes Michael. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's kind of their relationship. <laughs> Jan is just a sick person. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. We don't want to get into the pathology of Jan and Michael. No. I want to say Pam, the best relationship in that show is Jim and Pam. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, I can't think of like an actual instance where Pam does it. Or maybe Angela and Dwight. Pretty sure there was an insta- instance when Angela, or no, she, I think she did it more with Andy. Angela just did, refuses to have sex with Andy. Yeah. And satisfies her own urges with Dwight. Right. But she, but she still uses it as bait for Andy. Like, kind of. Like this, I think, this I think it's. promise kind of thing. I don't <laughs> talking about characters that don't exist. I don't think Angela is saying it. I think Andy exp- um, thinks that's what she's doing. I don't mm-hmm. think Angela's ever said, "If you do this for me, then eventually we'll get there." Mm-hmm. I think Andy just thinks, "If I, you know, conform to whatever she is wanting, or if I do whatever she is asking, so then a, she'll put out a distant out for hope me. for him." Yeah, it's a distant hope it's for like, him. You know, like, he wants to have sex with her, and eventually she won't we're going to get married. Uh-huh. And, exactly. and surely then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving on from the office. <laughs> um, number 11 is you have to wax. Um, <laughs> which you don't wax if you no. want, shave if you want. Otherwise, you can wax if you want to. You can wax if you want to. Yeah. I, again, this plays on, I think, society's um, portrayal of what the ideal woman is. You know, being yeah. smooth and hairless everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you just need to find a partner that's okay with the way you are. <laughs> right. You know, I think that's the big thing in a mm. lot of these. It's like you need to find a partner that's got, not going to expect you to change what mm. you're already comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they're, well, it's like on, uh, to bring in another show mm-hmm. on community, when Annie is talking about her horror story on one of the Halloween <laughs> yeah. episodes, mm-hmm. and she's like, just be proud of all the ways that I've changed you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) Uh, This is an interesting statistic, though. Um, Hair removal is a $2.1 billion industry in the U.S., Mm. and over the course of a lifetime, the average woman will spend an estimated $10,000 on shaving products. Hmm. What about guys? It's okay for guys to be hairy. Well, yeah, but I mean, most guys still shave their faces. Yeah, but this also goes back to um, women's products Mm. are... Far and away more expensive than men's products. A woman's oh, razor yeah. is more expensive before, than yeah. a men's razor. So mm-hmm. you're going to spend less. Even if you shaved every single day, you are going to spend less than I mm-hmm. am. Yeah. And it's because they're taking advantage of this right. idealized woman. Right. They know women are going to shave, and so they jack up the prices because they'll buy it regardless. Mm-hmm. When they could just get you know the same stuff guys do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a different conversation. (laughs) Uh, 12, you can't have sex on your period. Basically, you can, but it's up to you. If it grosses you Mm -hmm. out, don't do it. If it doesn't, fine. It it has been shown to have some benefits to the the woman if you have sex when you're menstruating. Um, oh, really? It can lead to like a shorter period. Um, a shorter period. Um, it can really, um, relieve like menstrual cramps. Hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's because of the release of endorphins probably. probably. Yeah. yeah. But you can still get pregnant. So don't have sex on your period thinking you're not going to get pregnant. Ah. So still use a condom. Okay. And you can still pass diseases. So yeah. practice safe sex all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. 13. Sex is supposed to hurt sometimes. No. And basically sex is not supposed to hurt. It might mm-hmm. hurt the first few times, but eventually your body gets used to it. But mm-hmm. if it does persistently hurt, there are actually diseases um, oh, yeah? that um, apply to women. I didn't read up on them, and they're really hard to say, so I'm not going to say them. <laughs> but <laughs> they but are real, but, but they're very you, un... Yeah. So for those of you who have lots of pain during sex, look yeah. it up. Yeah, look it up, go to a doctor, and talk about it, because mm-hmm. it could be something that is legitimately physically wrong with you and mm-hmm. can be treatable. Yeah. So you are no longer having pain while you have sex. Um, also it says that it can take 20 minutes of foreplay for a woman's vaginal muscles to relax. So sometimes like it is going to hurt. Like if you just automatically Mm. go at it because you aren't relaxed enough to accept. Right. (laughs) We're trying to dance around terms. (laughs) Yeah. Keeping it clean. Yeah. I don't know how explicit we can be. You know, we, we've talked about just using the explicit tag just so that we can be free Mm -hmm. in talking about it. I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth because, for one, most of the stuff that we talk about isn't explicit, mm-hmm. and neither of us really swears that much. Mm-hmm. And and for some listeners, you know, the, listening to a podcast that's bashing a religion a lot um, and is explicit mm-hmm. is going to be a turnoff for yeah. them. They're not going to really listen to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and part of me really wants this to be accessible to members of my own family mm-hmm. who will never listen. Mm-hmm to an explicit podcast. Right. But just on the off, ca- yeah, off right. chance, yeah. they do end up listening. 
So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And, and I kind of do the same thing with my blog as well. Right. So I try to keep it accessible. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay, so 14 is once you start having sex, you're not allowed to say stop. Hmm. And this is just false. Right. Anytime you start having sex, you are allowed to say stop at any point. Right. It goes to the idea of consent. Like, even when you're married, you have to consent Mm -hmm. to still having sex. You can be raped while you are married. Right. It reminds me of something that Aaron Ra said once. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe more than once. (laughs) Probably more than once. (laughs) Probably more than once. Um, Everybody should have exactly as much sex as they want and Mm -hmm. not one bit more. Right. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, if you don't want to have it, you shouldn't have to have it. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, 15. Women don't watch porn. <laughs> <laughs> so part of that is because I think um, porn is portrayed as being um, detrimental to the female. Mm-hmm. Right. It promotes... Um, sexual abuse yeah. and rape and, culture yeah, and, and all unhe- those sorts of things. Unhealthy ideas of what a woman is, what mm-hmm. should look like. Yeah. Which, on on one <clears> hand, <throat> I do agree with that. Well, it depends on you know the the type of pornography exactly. that we're talking about. Exactly. Because it depends there are, on the type. Yeah. The, like most pornography is geared towards men, mm-hmm. but as as you know, we we do these kinds of articles and stuff. Mm-hmm. It shows that you know, women are being more liberalized in their sexuality. Mm-hmm. They're, they're becoming more comfortable with the idea of viewing porn and that kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. there is this growing market of pornography that's geared more towards women or towards mm-hmm. couples and yep. that kind of thing. Yeah. So the, the, the uh, idea that it's a, a completely masculine thing or a male thing mm-hmm. to watch porn is becoming less and less true. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And women have the same response to men. Like they've, mm-hmm. Well, I am having a really hard time thinking of words right now. <laughs> but they've like mapped the brain like when men and women mm-hmm. are watching porn and they have the exact same responses as men. It's oh. not like men respond differently. Mm-hmm. Like women respond to mm-hmm. explicit images, you know? Right, in the same kind in of way. In the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's not different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, I, and I've never thought of it in those terms, but I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like, why right. would it be different? Right, why would it be mm-hmm. different? But it goes back to... Um, you know, the myth that women just don't think about sex, you know, or that, you know, women are the more responsible party. They don't need to have sex. They don't want to have casual relationships. You know, it's all of that, all those Mm -hmm. stereotypes, you know, Mm -hmm. leading up to each one of these, really, they're all tied together. Yeah. Uh, 16, sexual harassment is normal. Um, it's not not normal, but and they say a disturbing new study concluded that many young women consider sexual harassment and violence to be part of everyday life. So the phrasing of this, I would say, in one sense, sexual harassment mm-hmm. is a large part of everyday life for lots of women. It, I wouldn't say it that it's normal, though, and should happen. Right. Yeah, because c- you go to, like, more, uh, uh, well, I mean, like, third world countries, more, uh, like, mm-hmm. economically stressed areas, you're going to find more... Uh, crime in general, mm-hmm. and in those areas, you know, higher crime rates, you know, that includes sexual assault, mm-hmm. and so you're going to find that as well. Um, yeah, but I, I agree, it's it's not the sort of thing that should be normalized. It's it's the sort of thing that, whenever possible, should be stamped out. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. having healthy sexual outlets is one of the ways you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's been shown time and time again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it also plays up the patriarchal. Mm-hmm. you know 
um, environment that we live in today too. It's like men are allowed to say what they want to a woman and the woman isn't supposed to fight back, Mm -hmm. but they should. Um, moving on. The last one is everybody's doing it. Um, so I guess the average American loses his or her virginity for lack of a better term by the age of 17. Um, but still like there are people that lose it before. There are people that wait a long time to lose the virginity. So it's all a matter of what you are comfortable with. Don't Mm -hmm. do it because you think everyone is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It should be your choice. Yeah. It's your choice and it's no one's business when, or when you plan on losing your virginity, Mm -hmm. it's up to you. Mm -hmm. So don't succumb to peer pressure. Yeah. And that's important to point out that that's in this article. Because a lot of people will see this article as being promoting a more liberal right. view of sexuality mm-hmm. and, and sexual intercourse and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and so for them to have as their last point, you know, if you don't want to have it, you don't have to have it. Yeah. Don't feel pressured yeah. to have it. Yeah. Some you know? people just don't want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, just, I One of the reasons after you gave me this article that I wanted to talk about it was because a couple of the podcasts I listened to recently, mm-hmm. so like Dogma Debate, they um, they listened to that Megan Trainer song that you mm. that I posted on Facebook, um, oh, Dear yeah. Future Husband, <laughs> or like oh there's just like you know women are trying to be um, considered equal. They're trying to dis um, disband like all of these like negative stereotypes about what women are and how women should be mm-hmm. treated. But pe- but like this song dear future husband right. like is completely counterintuitive and counterproductive to that right it's all about 1950s suburbia yeah Donna and she yeah and the, in the that Cleavers. song like going back to the um withholding sex until you get something that you want she sings about that she's like oh, yeah. if you want mm-hmm. to you want do to fun me, things yeah. with me you have to do x you have to do y yeah. it's like otherwise i'm not giving you what you want um Right. Yeah. They're, they're trying to create this sort of, you know, reciprocal sexual, uh, you know, um, relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not necessarily healthy, you know? No, it's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That song really got under my skin. It's really bothersome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one that I just recently listened to was um, Mormon Stories when they were talking to Kate Kelly. Oh, I haven't um, listened to that one yet. Yeah. I enjoyed that one. She talked a lot about... Um, um, consent in marriage, like mm-hmm. um, rape culture, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, just kind of her perception of what sex was in the Mormon culture and coming out of Mormonism. Mm-hmm. I, I found I identified with a lot of the things that she was saying. It's like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Like I still yeah. feel some of those things today. It's like, it's always second guessing certain mm-hmm. things, you know, not being sure. One of the things she said um, she talked about was how women, um, especially in religions, have a really hard time deciding what it is they want. Which, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, which I definitely times, had a hard time with. Yeah, it's A lot of times it's decided for them. It's decided for them, and you're never asked what it is that you want because mm-hmm. sex is supposed to be a man's thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you're just there to make the baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, without getting too graphic, you know, you only need to have the man... Uh, climax right. in order to make a baby. Exactly. You know. Yeah. And and I think that's one of the things that has co- contributed to this idea that women don't enjoy sex or shouldn't enjoy sex mm-hmm. because in a biological sense it isn't necessary. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. And for men, you know, when it, when they grow up in this patriarchal culture where they can just kind of take women whenever they want, mm-hmm. you know, 
you know, they, they kind of have that expectation. Like once I'm done, it's, it's over, it's mm-hmm. done, you know, it's fine. Right. You know, right. and they never really consider the woman's needs. Exactly. You know, it might not necessarily be a need, but it is definitely a want and it should be considered. I think, I think sex drive is a need. It's not quite as essential as say, you know, the drive to eat food or to right. breathe. I I only meant it in but, the sense of what you said, like it, uh, you, only the man has to climax. A woman right. doesn't need to experience a climax mm. in order to get pregnant. To get pregnant. Yeah. That's what I meant as far as need. Yeah. Which, if there was a god, that would be a great way to show it. <laughs> <laughs> that both need to climax. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. I feel like there's a lot more I could say, but it's okay. We can move on. Well, this is a, actually a great segue. Oh, my gosh. Is it that story? <laughs> I was hoping you talk about it. Yes. So, th- so this is a, a recent current event in Utah. So we talked about um, a couple episodes ago how the uh, you know th- there were politicians in Utah that were trying to pass um, some I don't even know what you would call it. Oh, oh okay, different article. Sorry, no, I'm on the same page. Oh, what were you? I thinking? thought you were going to do the New Era story. Oh <laughs> no, I don't think I'll get to that one today. Um, we might talk about it another time, but uh, no, this is uh, so so in Utah they were trying to pass. Um, what is the word? Public health crisis. Yeah. That pornography is a public health crisis. Yeah, but what 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 do they call it? A resolution? Is that all it is? Sure. Just the legislature saying that pornography is mm-hmm. a public health crisis. Okay. Right. That just seems like a really sloppy way of putting it. It probably is, but I don't know the terminology. Yeah. So that that happened. Um, what is it? A week and a half ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And shortly after it happened. Um, one of the Mormon apostles had a conference, um, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, whom we've mentioned before. So Elder Holland held this conference with um, a group called, let's see if I can find it, Utah Coalition Against Pornography, or the UCAP. <laughs> and they met at the Salt Palace, which is in Salt Lake City, and they had 2,700 people get, uh, get together for this conference um, where he was the keynote speaker. And so, so this is, um, I, I love this first line. So there's a bunch of different articles. I debated on which one I actually wanted to use. Um, I, I went back and forth between the Deseret News, who would give just a completely supportive um, Mormon perspective on it, mm-hmm. um, or the Salt Lake Tribune, which would give a more impartial perspective on it. And this is um, the Salt Lake Tribune. Okay, okay. this is their, their opening line, okay, which I, I love. It says, about 2,700 people gathered Saturday at the Salt Palace to listen to speakers rail against pornography, led by a Mormon apostle deploying some mighty weapons. Hmm. Metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> They do so love their metaphors. Th- they do love their metaphors. So they include a few quotes from the conference where Elder Holland is, as they put it, railing against pornography. Which, knowing Holland, he was. Yeah. He gets very passionate. Yes, and his jowls move back and forth. Yes, they flap. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the Mormon bulldog. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Um, so he says, society must see this evil like the epidemic it is. He goes on. Um, 
Pornography needs to be eradicated, like diseases like such as um, avian flu, diphtheria, and cholera. Porn, he said, is a moral plague on the body politic that is maiming the lives of our public citizens. So the first thing that jumps out to me is that he's using um, code words like epidemic, mm-hmm. um, eradicated, disease, uh, and then he compares it to actual diseases, avian flu, diphtheria, cholera. cholera, like things that everybody knows are really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, things that will kill, kill you. you. Yeah. Okay, but nowhere in in any of the things that he says in either of the articles, even the pro uh, Mormon one in the Deseret News. Does it actually give any evidence mm-hmm. that supports the idea that pornography is a disease as serious as avian flu, dip- diphtheria, or cholera? Mm-hmm. You know, and if they had any evidence that it was that serious, people would start taking them seriously. Right. But as it stands, we j- this is just another case where the Mormon Church is um, getting their hands dirty politically, so to speak, and influencing local politics mm-hmm. because they can. Yep. You know, and. Um, the other day, you know, we were talking about this and we were, we were commenting on how funny it is. Was it you that mentioned it? Mm-hmm. How funny it is that, uh, you know, in, in Utah. The same week that they passed a public health crisis right. for porn. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah. So they could, they call pu- uh, pornography a public health crisis the same week that they deny um, medical, medical marijuana. marijuana. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's anything that the Mormon church wants in Utah will go, mm-hmm. you know whether there's evidence for it or not. And it was denied because of the Mormon church. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because the Mormon church issued a statement saying that they didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And so that swayed, um, at least a few of the politicians that were making the decision Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a couple more quotes that I wanted to get to. He says, the odds in the battle are sometimes not very favorable to us. Holland told the attendees, urging them to persevere against the multi-billion dollar industry. As Tom Paine said, (laughs) this is no time for summer soldiers and sunshine patriots. I just want to point out that Thomas Paine is one of the the founding fathers um, who was undoubtedly an atheist. Yeah. The most outspoken atheist. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there, there's a few other ones like Thomas Jefferson who may have been an, an, an agnostic or an atheist. Most um, of them were just a deist. Right. But yeah, most of them were, were more deistic. Mm-hmm. Thomas Paine was an absolute atheist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I love it when Mormons quote him. Yeah. <clears throat> um, he goes on to talk about um, how there's a changing um, view of pornography among millennials. He says... Um, it, um, let's see. So he cited a recently released survey from the Barna Group, a religion-based research organization, that found millennials are more comfortable talking uh, or discussing pornography, sorry, discussing pornography than older generations. The subject does not have the same social taboo that it once did, Holland said. Um, he goes on, and fewer young people see pornography as sinful. Um, Holland says the study showed more young adults thought that not recycling is a sin than thought porn is. (laughs) What a comparison. Recycling can in no way be considered a sin or not a sin. Right. It has nothing to do with your spiritual well-being. Well, he's saying that, that 
that millennials view not recycling as being worse than viewing pornography. But that means that they were mm-hmm. presented with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, they aren't equal well, in any way. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, it was just funny because he's saying this as though this is a bad thing. Right. You know, that, that the, the views of um, what pornography is or the way it influences people or affects people in negative ways isn't isn't the same as uh, in previous generations. And why is that? Oh, that's right. Because we have different evidence. Now we have mm-hmm. different studies showing this or that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the more research that's being done on pornography, um, the more we see that it's more normal than people thought it's, it's got less of a negative impact than people thought mm-hmm. in some ways it's even beneficial, mm-hmm. you know, and most of the things that people can really show are problematic with pornography have to do with rape culture, you know, Mm-hmm. which is a separate problem yeah. than just pornography in general, mm-hmm. I think. You know. Right. <clears throat> the article goes on quoting um, a, a girl named Melissa Richardson, who is a student at BYU who works for the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. <clears throat> and uh, she says, this is why we need to reach out to young adults. This is the culture we're growing up in. Again, they still haven't provided any real evidence that pornography is bad. Right. They've only said that they've passed a resolution that it's a public health crisis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then she talks about some ways that people can be a resource online for other people. They can you know, use social media to talk about the dangers of pornography and um, use that to influence other millennials and all that kind of stuff. Um, she says, you need to let them know what you approve of. As far as messages in their of their marketing, talking about uh, purchasing power, right? Mm-hmm. That you deem pornographic, or, or what you deem pornographic or condoning rape, um, and then she goes on to talk about. Oh, wait, the, this is a, a different person, uh, Chrisana Finley, or Finlay, who is the deputy director for development at NCOSE. I don't know who that is. Neither. Oh, so that that is uh, the National Center on Sexual Ex- Exploitation. Okay. So the same group as the other girl. Um, and they apparently issue a list, an annual list of what they call the Dirty Dozen list. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, so these are what they consider to be the most relevant um, contributors for sexual exploitation within our society. Okay. And, Does it uh, say what they consider to be sexual exploitation? They don't give a, a real definition in this article, no. Mm. Uh, but I, I think you're going to like some of the items that they have in this list. Mm, please share. Okay. So this year's list includes the American Library Association. What? <laughs> and here's the reason. Because <laughs> it advocates for unfiltered internet terminals at libraries. Oh, the horror. <laughs> Cosmopolitan Magazine, which is pretty self-explanatory. Um, which filtered. So they're saying that you can access porn on there? Right. Like not having any filters. Who's going to do that, though? They all face out into the public areas. No right. one's going to the library. Very few cases. To look at porn. Yeah, there, there's, there's very few cases of it happening. And I've, I've seen incidents where uh, it does get reported. And those people are, of course, as in any other public, you know, yeah. ex- exploitation kind of scenario they they 
are cited and arrested. And yeah, and they're not allowed to use the computers anymore. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's not like they're advocating for people to look at porn at the library. Right. <laughs> they're just not hindering their right to look at things. Yeah, the consequence for, you know, viewing pornography and then masturbating at a public terminal would be the same thing as doing it like say Pee Wee Herman did at a stage in front of an audience, you know, and I haven't arrested. seen any Pee Wee Herman. He, well, so no, 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 this is something he did in real life oh. and, and he was arrested for it. <laughs> yeah. For exposing himself in public. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because that's the consequence. Yeah. That is the consequence, yeah. you know, <laughs> anyway, so cosmopolitan magazine, which in Utah is always covered. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, the grocery stores, they mm-hmm. always have that little, what is that? A little plastic sleeve thing. Yeah. So Occasionally it looks like it. people will take one out and put it in front. Cause every once in a while I see one that's oh, not really? covered up, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can see the divider pushed back. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Okay. And then, uh, the last one is the cable channel HBO citing specifically <laughs> game of Thrones, the popular series game of Thrones yep. for scenes of rape and mm-hmm. sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can see where they're coming from on that one, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, they're not advocating for rape. It's like they're showing these women, like these women become empowered later on after Mm -hmm. going through experiences like that. Right, well, it's like saying that, um, like, say, Saving Private Ryan is promoting murder of Jews because it talks about, you know, World War II and the Mm -hmm. Holocaust. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's just telling the story. It's not advocating Mm -hmm. for it. Right. And if it makes you uncomfortable watching it, don't watch it. Exactly. No one is forcing you to watch Game of Thrones. Like, I stopped watching it the first time I tried watching it because I was uncomfortable watching something like that. Mm-hmm. But after, like, I stopped, like, it, in my head it was no longer demonized to mm-hmm. see a sexual scene. It was okay to watch it and, like, process what it was I was seeing and why I was still uncomfortable with it. Right. You know? Because I am. I'm uncomfortable with rape scenes, and you should yeah. be uncomfortable with and rape that's scenes. that's the point. Exactly. That's that the is the point, point of showing it. Yeah. It makes you uncomfortable. It yeah. makes you sympathize with the person that's mm-hmm. being raped. Mm-hmm. You know? No yeah. one in their right minds would, in, like, <laughs> like, really like those characters. Mm-hmm. You know? You're supposed to hate them. You're supposed to hate them. Yeah. And that is the point. Exactly. And, it, and it's a, they it's are a, villains. It's a critical part of those scenes and yeah. of those characters Yeah, it's a critical a part of storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it makes the story more three-dimensional and it makes it more yeah. applicable to real life too. Yeah. I've, I've had similar conversations with my mom who is very um, trepidatious towards anything higher than a PG rating. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are a lot of PG movies that we weren't allowed to watch growing up. Oh, and, so I, sad. and I've tried to explain to her, you know, like using, say, Saving Private Ryan as an example, mm-hmm. like it's not about the bad things. It's not about promoting the bad things. It's about the art form. It's about the storytelling. It's about learning from the experience mm-hmm. and learning from the, the, the mistakes right. and all that kind and of stuff. And seeing that good things still come from it. Right. Like uh, that's an important part yeah. of storytelling and, yeah. and the human experience and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And she just couldn't wrap her head around it. She, like she wants her stories to be G rated, to be uplifting, to be happy, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what she wants. Mm-hmm. And those G rated are even like, I've, if you really look at a G-rated movie, like Disney movies, I think are a good example of it. It's uh-huh. like quite often the women are submissive. They're subjected to certain things that they yep. shouldn't be subjected to. Like Belle, Stockholm Syndrome, anyone? <laughs> you know, like she's captured and taken, you know? like And then she falls in love with him. Yeah. Like, you know, G-rated movies are not the best thing for people to be watching. Right. They have very subtle messages that girls and boys today right. still like apply to their lives. Yeah, they they tend to promote, 
you know, again, 1950s suburbia. Exactly. You know, a That's lot why of the, the Mormon ideas, church loves Disney movies. Yeah, they, they like the ideals from that era. Yeah. You know, Ugh. which is, I guess, the golden age of Mormonism. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the the uh, the rest of the article pretty much talks about how there's differences in opinion of what constitutes pornography. Um, you know, like every person is different in what they consider to be porn. And so how do you really talk about it? You know, how, how can you have such a blanket statement that pornography is a public health crisis exactly. if you can't even define what it is yeah. specifically? Yeah. Porn could be something completely mm-hmm. different to other people. Yeah. You can be aroused by completely different things. Yeah. And, and if you were to say, you know, completely ban totally hardcore explicit material, okay, like penetrative, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. what would really happen? Well, they go back to what they did in the 1970s. You know, they right. get magazines or they just use like the swimsuit edition of Sports right. Illustrated, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the CD theaters. Like there are ways that yeah. people will get their porn. Right. You cannot yeah. eradicate this. Yeah, because to, to believers, to Mormons especially, it's not just about the pornography. It's no. about the masturbation. Yeah. They don't want you to, to masturbate. They mm-hmm. want you to be sexually repressed so that you have this this insatiable desire to get married at a young age right. and start having as many kids as you can right. and lock yourself into the Mormon culture mm-hmm. and you can't get out. Right. I don't know? think it's just masturbation either. They think that if you view a sex scene, you're going to go out and have sex. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's not even, somebody. or rape someone. Exactly. Yeah. They think that it's going to contribute mm-hmm. to the rape culture. Yeah. Which there's no evidence for. No. I mean, it probably depends on the type of porn you're looking at, like the illegal mm-hmm. porn, which is right. what I think they think all porn is mm-hmm. because obviously they've never actually viewed porn. Right. You know, none of them are like sitting, yeah, or they won't admit to it. None (laughs) of them are sitting through like porn videos and saying, okay, this is probably okay. Right. (laughs) You know, it's like the illegal stuff is what they think every single type of porn is. We need to have an MPAA for pornography and have a rating system. Mm -hmm. This is G rated porn. It's it's nice. It's fluffy. It feels good. There's no talking. <laughs> this is this there's is only one X-rated person involved. <laughs> X rated porn. It's it's got you know lots of swearing, lots of expletives, uh-huh. and you know references to God right. in in negative ways, and right. <laughs> and they do just atrocious things to each other. <laughs> yeah. Did I just invent a thing? I think I just invented a thing. Okay, Good so that's actually <laughs> making it happen. <laughs> yeah, so that's all I have from this article. Okay. Um, anything else? No. Did you go through both your articles? Um, or do you not want to do the other one? It doesn't matter. No? It's okay. Okay. Well, I think I'll save my other article for another time as well. Okay. It's kind of off topic. Oh. Seem to, this seems to be a good place to kind of wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's our show. Thanks for listening. Yay. <laughs> if you would like to contact us, you can email us at skepticsquaredpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the show's blog at www.skepticsquaredpodcast.blogspot.com. You can rate us and review us on iTunes. We're also on YouTube and Burp. other places. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>